Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. What are you craving right now? Uh, so, sometimes we think of a particular meal or a particular restaurant. Uh, sometimes when it's our birthday, someone nice would cook us the meal that we would want. Uh, I, I remember there's a line in our family, uh, my my children have said it, my mom said it in her later life, she, uh, we went to a particular restaurant that wasn't her cup of tea, and she said, I wouldn't choose this for my birthday. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we like certain things, and we, uh, we think about them, and we crave them, and we want them, and we desire them. And it, it's something that a yearning from inside of us that says, I like this particular thing. I want this. Um, as we think about that this morning, we are in a passage, uh, a very simple passage, but a very important one, uh, talking about the cravings of our heart and what would satisfy us, what would be helpful to us. And so in First uh, Peter chapter 2, I'm sorry, I think I said chapter 1, First uh, Peter chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning. If you'd like to stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read it for you. God's word says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. God, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the blessing of this church, your people being uh, here gathering. I think of our youth and our children, adult Bible fellowship meeting now. Think about us welcoming these new members and how you continue to knit our hearts together to serve you in this life. That this is your church. And so now, as we look to your word, I pray that it would be an encouragement to us and strengthen us. God, you are so good and kind and patient with us. Uh, May we be the same with one another. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to center this morning around this word craving. This word craving. Uh, And... As we look at this word craving, we realize that there are things that we want and pursue in this life. There are things that we're going after. And so this morning may uh, it realign what we are going after in this life. If you've been with us in the uh, book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1 really talks about being born again. Being born again. I want to read to you... Uh, you look back in chapter 1, verse 3, uh, it, the book really begins with this joyful praising of God, this hallelujah of God did such an amazing work. And I, I want to point it out to you. He says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Uh, he goes on to describe this being born again Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That this new life 
uh, he doesn't talk about the old life, but he says that we've been born again. The dead life uh, is dead and gone, and it's been replaced with being born again. He goes, uh, he continues to talk about this as he uh, shares about being holy. And then uh, as you look at uh, verse 22, he, 22, he says, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Since you've been born again. And once again, he goes that this being born again is not perishable. It's not something that will be, uh, it's not a temporary thing that will not last. And in the midst of this too, he, he talks about this idea of being holy. Being holy. Not dirty like you were before. The filth that killed you before. The, the filth that was the part of the deadness of the life that you lived. He says, that's not now a part of your life. You're to pursue holiness. For you to be holy in this new life that you have. Which brings us to chapter 2. And so he's giving us some marching orders. We've just looked at being uh, loving, loving one another. And now he turns back to really our own person. And he says this. He says, so put away all malice, all deceit hypocrisy and envy and all slander. These, I would say it this way, is my first point, hindrances to healthy craving. Hindrances to healthy craving. Now, um, it's hard to not think about all those diet things that are filled the internet. You know, you're supposed to eat this and not that. This is the not that, okay? Um, do, Do you know what you're not supposed to eat? Fried foods, Soda, soda, anything that tastes good, you know, these are the things that you're not, if it tastes good, you go, oh yeah, this isn't what I'm supposed to be eating, (laughs) yeah, anything you like, you know, uh, um, it's interesting, uh, we, we, we wouldn't say this, we wouldn't say this, but uh, there, we do train ourselves to like certain things, and over time, over time, uh, if you understand the benefits as well as you give yourself a diet and you you, you learn to love different things um, i don't i don 't think there was any kid ever that uh, the first taste of sauerkraut they said boy that 's delicious you know <laughs> right It was an acquired taste it was through good parenting and stuff like that you know that you would love sauerkraut um, but we look at this this morning and realize. That there are things that hinder us from craving that which is good. This morning, you might uh, not even believe that. You would say, well, I just love the things of the world. There's things in this life that I love. I know they're wrong. I I know there are things that uh, I'm used to, but I just love them and I can't do anything about them. I want to encourage you about one thing. If God calls us, if he commands us to get rid of something, he's not saying, uh, I want you to move a mountain, something you can't do, and I'm not going to help you do it, but I'm going to command you to do so. Uh, I want to tell you that this morning, if he commands us to move and to do something, he will also provide for us all the strength to do it. So we see a list as this starts out, 
with a list this morning. And he says, so, so put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Uh, the alls that are provided for us in our translation, but the, the grammar holds them in there. This idea that he's not saying, take care of that one specific thing that this problem you have there. Or that one piece of, you know, words that you use that you shouldn't use. He's saying all, all, all. He, he's looking at all that was part of the previous life that God saved you from. Yeah, I think that's super important to remember is that if you're saved, if you're born again, there was a deadness to your old life that it's time to ditch. It's it's the thing that was killing you. It's the thing that he saved you from. And for us to remain in those bad, sinful habits and remain in those bad, sinful ways of thinking that's, that's not what this life is for. This new life is for something different. And so he calls us uh, to put it away or get away from it. If you think about it, um, these words are the idea of physically putting it away. They're, it's used in other passages, and Paul uses this imagery when he writes, Peter, but this idea of, of taking off filthy clothes. It's this idea that you're you're taking off and not just saying putting aside for another day, but getting rid of them. Uh, I was reading some and the picture of baptism. uh, Sometimes in the early church, they would uh, do this thing where they would uh, remove their clothes down to some something uh, that wasn't totally naked, but the removal of most of the clothing then get baptized, and as part of the baptism, they would receive another uh, piece of clothing that would cover them as a picture of our new life in Christ and the leaving of that which is behind, behind. Boy, that's important for us. Uh, To leave the old life behind. To get rid of it. It's not something to keep around. Uh, you know, uh, there's a possibility of pictures that you should destroy because they're pictures that commemorate the old life apart from Christ. You do keep them. Keep them as a testimony. This was me in my sinful state. This guy, you'll never meet him again because he does not exist anymore. He pictures a putting away of all that the old life represented and the sins that were killing us. He uses the word malice. He uses the word malice first. and he, uh, It's kind of one of these words that's kind of an umbrella word that covers all kinds of evil and all kinds of bad. Um, if your life is filled with malice, it's undefined what that is, but it's bad. It's evil. And he uses this word. And so he's wanting to be as broad as you can possibly be when it comes to the sinful things that you did before. It's interesting this morning, I could say, you know, those of you who have uh, your previous life was drinking and drugs. And some of you would go, yeah, that's me. Others of you, I I could say, you know, your life was filled with... uh, perversion of some sort and that that and you say oh that that was me 
And, and then I could say those of you who were selfish and greedy. And, and then one of you here would say, well, he, he hasn't hit me yet. Uh, I wasn't really greedy. In fact, I, I wasn't into perversion of that sort. I wasn't into drinking and drugs. I was just full of myself and pride. He didn't touch me. Uh, I, I want to tell you, the, the, the umbrella goes to all kinds of sin that we could uh, do. And he says, what to do with it? Put it away. Put it away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. He uses the, the next word he uses, uh, all malice and all deceit. Uh, that word deceit is the idea of guile or to catch one with bait. Uh, it's interesting. Some of us in our sinful selfishness, we use our words to manipulate one another to get what we want. We're constantly just trying to get what we want and to, to uh, work people with our words. And he says, put it away, put it away. That the new, the, the new guy, the new woman, the, the one who was born again, that is not what they're about. They're about being truthful and kind with their words. Ones that aren't trying to catch people, but to encourage people. The next word he uses is the word hypocrisy. And it's a mask sort of living that judges one another. It, it's the idea that uh, they, they, they judge one another while pretending to be someone that they're not, uh, struggling in them, themselves in a similar way. This is a danger within the church. In fact, it's one of the words that people use not to come to church. I don't want to go to church because there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. To which you could say, you'll fit right in. You'll fit right in. But the idea of the church is not that we would be hypocrites, but that we would be putting that off, that we would be people who are walking in humility. And as we are talking to one another about their sin, we identify ourselves as sinners as well. That we struggle with the very same thing and the very same heart as those uh, who are common in this world. That we would struggle with them. The only difference being Because of what Christ has done, we are born again. We are born again. We're not stuck in that old way of life. You have malice. You have deceit. You have hypocrisy. And then you say envy. The word envy or jealousy. It's this idea that we feel displeasure of the prosperity of others. Um. It's not just noticing, right? It's not just noticing. Uh, it's not just noticing that some somebody has something that you want. It's it's not just noticing, but it's the idea that in your heart you think bad of them, or even it comes out in your actions that you treat them bad, you treat them sinfully. Why? Because of their prosperity, you can't stand one another's prosperity. I want to encourage you uh, when you see people prosper. Rejoice, rejoice. Uh, how many of you have gone to the gas station? That's a majority. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I was out at the Flying J and I was in deep thoughts. Uh, and uh, I shouldn't tell this because it doesn't matter. But anyways, at the Flying J yesterday, 
I was in deep thoughts about various things, and I was kind of tired, and I was, wasn't really thinking. And so I was going down to Bakersfield. I was at the Flying J getting gas, and then I got on the freeway. Unfortunately, I got on the freeway going the wrong way. And uh, if you know where I'm heading with this, I got on the freeway right there, and the canyon exit is closed for uh, construction. And so I almost went all the way to Mojave trying to get to Bakersfield. So uh, good times. Uh, but uh, I, was, I was thinking, you know, there's Flying J, there's a bunch of cars, and uh, you, you can look around and you can say, oh, here's my car. I'm filling up my car. Oh, that's a nicer car than I have. My piece of junk car. Like, oh, but my car is better than them. Uh, I still would rather have that. Like, you, your mind can quickly go. But, but the idea that you have a car to put some gas in and that you have money to put gas in is a sign of God's blessing in and of itself. And so the idea here is this, that the old man is in competition all the time. He's saying, is this person better than I am or, or worse? And they're looking at their prosperity and say, I can't stand when someone's better than me. If that's the kind of life you're living, first of all, you're going to be very frustrated because there's always going to be someone who has more than you, looks to, like there's always going to be someone ahead of you. But in a greater sense, in a more important sense, that's what he saved you from. That's what he saved you from. It's this idea that he saved you from this competition. In fact, with Jesus, we are all losers but we are all winners, right? We're all losers, but we're all winners. And we can all win simultaneously because of Christ. Think about that. When you see somebody else's marriage and it's better than yours, you say, praise God for the work that he's doing in their life. Praise God for the wife that he's given me or the husband that he's given me. Praise God for my children. I thank you for the life that you've given me, the, the, the life that you've granted me. Thank you for my church, the people that I can be with. You, you think about this, this idea of envy, envying and becoming jealous is just so, so counterproductive. And it is a sign of the old life. I want to encourage you. He says, what, what, what should you do with this envy and jealousy? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And lastly, um, he uses, uh, if you see down at the end of verse 1, he says, and all slander. The idea of running someone down with your words. Tearing them down with your words. Uh, Many times it has the implication of doing that when they're not around. Uh, Be careful. Be careful. Uh, Some of us are just rude to people in person. We'll say mean things to them in person. It's wrong, okay? Don't, don't hide behind telling it like it is, okay? Keep it to yourself. Actually, let God do a work in your heart so those words aren't there in your heart, so they won't come out through your mouth. But, but secondly, some of us say, well, I, I don't say anything to people's faces. I just talk behind their backs, like that's something better or something like that. I want to tell you, he says, get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. Um, as, as we look at this, 
He calls on us to remove these things from our life. Um, I, I want to stop here and just say why. Why? So there's two, re- there's two reasons I see, and there's probably more, but the, the two main reasons come from the context of what's, what he's talking about here. First of all, he's talked about being born again. Born again. And it goes from being born again, loving one another, to this list of things to get rid of. Um, p- picture yourself, um, p- picture yourself, you, you and some friends have decided that you're going to get healthy together. You're going to get healthy together. You're going to get together and you say, hey, uh, why, don't you, why don't we come over to my house and we're going to get a game plan together and talk about getting healthy together and you say oh great so so you gather at one someone's house and the, the person's house you um you come to uh she's baked a ton of brownies she's a ton of brownies and you say well let's sit around and eat brownies while we talk about getting healthy i think you know where i'm going with that right you got it right um to get healthy uh, you, you need to eat the right things and to exercise, but you also got to get rid of the brownies. It, it, it's counterproductive. It stands in the way. And if God has saved you from what? He has saved you from these things. The idea of going back to them as you have come to know Christ or continue in them uh, is foolishness and it, it's counterproductive. But I also want to say this. It is a wall. It is a wall to you growing to be the person that God has saved you to be. It's a wall. Some of us are clinging to these sins and saying, uh, I, I'm a saved person, but I continue to sin in these ways. And it doesn't bother anybody, including me. And it does. It does. The next verse tells us what it hinders, and it hinders these cravings, these cravings that I'm talking about. We, we looked at the hindrances to this healthy craving. Now we find what healthy craving is. In verse 2, it says, Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Uh, what a beautiful picture, right? Uh, a, a newborn infant. It's really not all that beautiful of a picture, to be honest. Um, it's, it, it, you don't even need to know Greek, but what's implied here is a screaming child. A screaming child. And, you know, why do children scream? For those of you who haven't had kids yet, kids are super simple, you, you know, Especially when they come out, they're super simple. Um, there's only a few things in their world, right? Uh, right? And some of us are like this too. We either need to use the restroom, uh, and we're uncomfortable, or we've already. Never mind. I'll just leave it there. And then we're hungry, or we need a nap, one or the other. You know. And so uh, you go down the list in your mind. Why is this kid screaming? And more times than not, it's because. They want their food. They want their food. And it's interesting, as you grow and as you mature, uh, hopefully you don't scream like that when you're hungry. It's, it's funny. 
You know, some of you aren't getting it yet. Uh, babies don't have a sense of etiquette to them. They don't go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a little bit of uh, hunger in me. You know, maybe I should call my mom and ask gently if uh, she would feed me now. Uh, oh, you know what? Mom's looked a little haggard. I, I kept her, got her up in the night a few times for some snacks. And uh, I'll just let her sleep some more. She, she needs some more rest. And, and those of you, her moms are going, that's not how kids work. It, it, it's not at all. Uh, they don't care uh, if, if they sense something's wrong. It doesn't matter if they ate five minutes ago, right? They're going to scream again. And they're not concerned about your feelings. They're not concerned about, uh, you know, whether it fits in anybody's schedule at all. They're just, give me the food. Give it to me. It's interesting. Infants uh, don't, don't read those blogs about health and stuff like that either, right? They, they don't know, eat this instead of that, Right? They don't say, you know, mother's milk is really good for nutrition and it'll make me grow to be strong and this is really going to help me. They, they don't know any of that. They're just infants. And they're crying out for that which they know to be good for them intuitively. This is what God has made them. And they cry out for it. And he uses that picture. Peter uses that picture and he says, you who are born again, you who are born again, Crave, long for pure spiritual milk. This is, what, this is what I want you to do. This is what you should be crying out for. It's interesting to me. I'm going to bust some people here this morning, okay? Um, I can always find you a seat at Bear Valley Church. It's usually right here. You can even come sit up in the front here with me, be part of the Bosler family. Why is that? Uh, if you come early, you can get the hot seats back in the back there, you know. <laughs> Baptist folks and stuff like that, you know. Recovering Baptist cops. They always, cops are always nervous. They've they got to sit with their back to the wall. Good to see you here this morning, Rick. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I want to tell you, so it, it's, just, it's just a something, right? It's just a something. It's not everything, okay? Uh, if uh, you've, you've gone to any class, if you want to learn anything, where should you sit? In the front, especially, especially if you don't know anything about the class, right? If you find yourself to be at a disadvantage, sit in the front. Sit in the front. Especially if you're uh, one who is easily distracted. You know who you are, right? Why'd they wear that outfit today? You know, how'd they do their hair like that? You know, uh, you have all kinds of thoughts that are going through your mind. You have less of those if you're up in front, but. What we're talking about here is a thirst for it, a thirst to, to want it and to want it again and again. I find it interesting. Infants, they're not like camels drinking, right? What are they like? I need it all the time, all the time. I remember uh, as we began to have children, and I'm a man, and I, I don't care about those things at all. As a young man, I, I didn't think about them. I didn't read books about what to expect when expecting or anything like that. But it was a shocker to me when the doctor said, uh, your child will eat about every two hours. And I said, two hours? I mean, I, I sometimes do it, but just like two hours. And I started going, that, that's a real inconvenience. 
you know? That's a real inconvenience. And, and once again, going back, infants don't care, right? They don't care about that inconvenience. They're just so hungry for it. I, I think about that when it comes to the things of God. Well, we'll get to it in a minute, but uh, how often do you want to be with God's people hearing God's word? Eh, once a month. Uh, Christmas and Easter, I'm going to hit those. I heard those are big, big times, big times. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, you know, how often do you want to read the scriptures? Eh, every once in a while when I think of some trivia that I need to look up. Uh, how often do you want to be with God's people studying his word? You know, when, you know, definitely during the wintertime. You can't golf very well around, you know, Bear Valley in the wintertime. And I don't like going outside, but I do need a field trip. So uh, I'll get out there. It's not like that. It's like infants. It's like infants. They don't know much. They don't know much. They're not thinking it through. They just are dying for it inside. And he says, long for it like that. Long for it like that. It's a command, but it's a command to be infant-like and be like a newborn. Crying for what they need. Uh, It's not an intellectual uh, want or decision, but instinctively they know they need it. And so he commands us to crave this or to long for it. The spiritual milk, what is that? Well, uh, there's been three suggestions. It's Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. It's the gospel, the message of Jesus and the the way to salvation in a broadest sense. And then uh, lastly, the word of God. And I I just want to say... I think we're drawing too close of a a, a fine line of distinction when we say it's one without the other. Uh, The Word of God, what is the message in the Word of God? It's the gospel. It's all about saving and and God's salvation, His plan of salvation brought out to sinful men. And at the center of that message is His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's this idea that we are thirsting for the person, his message, and his, uh, the implications of that message for us. I want to warn you about something that uh, some of us would say that we love God's word, uh, but, but rather we love being smart. We rather love studying. We, we like to uh, know Bible trivia. I want to, I want to, Burst your bubble. There's no trivia in here. It's all the good stuff, right? And we're going to get to it in a moment. Why do we need to know about Christ, the gospel, and His word? Why? So that we would grow. That we would grow. That we would be changed from infants to that which God, which God saved us for, saved us to be. Um, I, I don't want you to raise your hands or even respond in any way, but um, times in my life, um, I, I look at my actions, my thoughts, sometimes the words that come out of my mouth, the things that I do, 
and I ask the question. I usually don't say it out loud because people will answer, uh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, and when I say what's wrong with me, I really don't want to know the answer. I, I want to know how to fix what's wrong with me. And I, I want to tell you there, there's an answer for that. It's that, that I would long for pure spiritual milk. That I would grow to be the person that God saved me to be. What's wrong with me? I need pure spiritual milk. I need to be going back to the Word of God. I need to be being with His people, studying His Word. I need to be about serving Him. If I find my life to be empty and... Uh, uh, my my life, what do I need? I need more of Him. I need more of Him. I need to crave as a child would for mother's milk. He says, like, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it, by that pure spiritual milk, you may grow up into salvation. The purpose of the milk of mother's milk is that they would grow, that the child would grow. And when I say the purpose, by design, by your creator, that's what happens. It's, it's part of God's amazing uh, creation that he has taken care of this little infant that they might grow and grow well uh, by the milk that the mother provides. And in a similar way, God provides for the, the new birth, but not just the new birth, that the, the one who is born again would grow, would change, would become what God has saved them to be. And how does that happen? It happens through us longing and craving for that which God has given us in the spiritual milk. It's interesting, this passage prior talks about holiness. You know, and we've talked about get rid of these things because this is uh, these are the wicked things that he saved us from that he would make us holy. Well, sanctification is the process of him making us holy. That word sanctify is the idea of setting apart. Uh, Setting apart is the word holy. There's something special. It's set apart. And, And this is the process, the process of growth that he wants to take you on. Uh, but you must grow. Uh, if you find yourself in a place where you're not growing and changing to be more the way that He wants us to be, I would say go back to verse 1 and look at your life and say, what is hindering this craving? Lastly, we see the satisfaction of healthy craving. Uh, verse 3 says this, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, I say satisfaction of healthy craving. We look to the past. We look to the past. We look to the past and we say, I remember that restaurant. I remember that food that I had. I remember that it was good and I want to go back. I I want more of it because I've already tasted it. I look to the past. And because I have tasted it in the past, I I don't say, uh, well, forget it. I've already done that. It grants me and it reminds me of my further desire for Him. Further desire. And in the end, um, the past, both, both in the past but also in the future, 
what will you find? What will you find as you eat the food that you're supposed to have that you might grow? What will you find? It says that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. I want to make a subtle distinction here that the Lord is good. That, that, that little phrase right there, a subtle distinction. Uh, sometimes we parent like this, and, and this is a dangerous way to parent, is to say to your kids, hey, you should do what God wants you to do, and then you will get the good life. And then you'll get the good life. All the good things of life, when you do what God wants you to do and seek Him, you'll get. And it's not that that's necessarily untrue. But it, it, it stops short of what God wants us to get from Him. It, it does not say in this passage, it doesn't say, let, let me point out what it doesn't say and then I'll h- highlight what it does say. If indeed you have tasted that life is good. That life is good. It says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He shows himself. He grants you himself. As you grow and as you uh, continue to pursue him and crave the pure spirits, you get himself. You get a relationship with him. And you find him to be the one that is good. The one who uh, craves that which is healthy, that which is good, finds not that finds not the good life, but the good Lord, the one who is kind and merciful to us. As we end our time, let me give you three landing points to conclude our time. The first one is this: be conscious about the removal of barriers. Be conscious about the removal of barriers. Be honest with yourself. If you need your spouse or your parents, unfortunately, if you don't have them around, you could probably ask your kids and they could help you. What's the sin in your life that's stopping you from enjoying all that God has for us? What's the barrier to you having a healthy craving? And secondly, remember that that, that infant child that's pictured here. Eat often and a lot and vigorously. It's the good stuff. It's the good stuff that will help you grow. And then lastly, remember the Lord's goodness and let that drive you to want Him more. There, there's a, a critical thing to thanksgiving, to being grateful and rejoicing. If you don't, if you don't, The enemy can trick you into thinking that God has forsaken you and your life is bad. And if you believe that the Lord has forsaken you and that your life is bad, you will look other places to satisfy you. And it's a very dangerous place for you to be. So remember the Lord's goodness to you. Remember it. Remember it. And may that be the fuel that causes you to want to go back over and over and over again. God, thank you for this morning, for the blessing of your word. God, we ask that you would guide our steps, that you would change our appetites. God, 
Uh, for many of us, we've grown so accustomed, even generationally, to sin. And that it's got a comfortable place in our heart and life. And it's a habit that we can't break. And a th- way of thinking that needs to be removed. And yet it's stuck there. And God, I ask that you would change our will to desire it. And then give us the strength to do it. That we would rid ourselves to throw it away. That we might... Uh, be able to crave your pure spiritual milk. Your son Jesus' gospel, your word, guiding and directing us, growing us into the people that you've saved us to be. God, thank you for your word. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.